0: Welcome to Non Sunday School, everyone. We're going to get started as soon as the song ends. Hallelujah.
1: I live above the systems of the world. Yes, I totally rely on your word. I live above above the systems of the world. I I totally rely on your word. No matter what may come away, no matter what I. Doesn't matter what the world says I'm so- <laughs>
0: everyone welcome to non-sunday school i do not own the rights to that song that song is entitled you i live for and the name of the artist is moses bliss um so welcome everyone who is dropping in or will be dropping in in the live studio on the podbean app welcome to everyone that's streaming live from my website faizaimani.com As I always like to tell you, non-Sunday School is intended to be an interactive Bible study so that once I'm done teaching, you can always jump in and ask questions or give feedback concerning what you heard. Um, So if you're on my website streaming and you desire to be interactive, then feel free to jump on over from my website onto the Podbean app so you can interact in the live studio. Um, So the way it works is I do teaching, and then once I'm done teaching, I'll open up the floor or the chat room for you to ask any questions that you may have concerning what you heard. Um, so we are not going to belabor the time. We're going to go ahead and jump right into the lesson. Let me pull up my notes. Um, and let's start with prayer. So Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you as always for blessing us to come together as students of your word. I thank you for the assignment that you've given me tonight to feed your sheep, Father. I thank you for this word. I pray, Father, that as individuals hear this word, Father, that it will set them free from any condemnation, Father, that the adversary would try to throw on them. In the name of Jesus, Father, we thank you for setting them free from that condemnation. In the name of Jesus, as your word says, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. So just thank you, Father, for letting your Holy Spirit help them to throw away the guilt, to throw away all condemnation, all shame, or whatever the enemy would try to put on them tonight. In the name of Jesus, Father, lift it. And we believe that it's done in Jesus' name. Amen. So blessings to everyone, again, who's streaming from the website. Blessings to those who will be coming in on the live stream. We're going to jump right into the lesson on tonight. So on tonight, the topic is... Um, Breaking free from the prison of condemnation. Breaking free from the prison of condemnation. Why am I calling it a prison? Because it's a place where you can actually be locked up. Like you're locked up, arrested. You can't move. You can't go anywhere. You can't progress anywhere because you're stuck in this place of condemnation. And that is not a place where God wants his children to be. Once you confess Christ, you do not have to live a life of a person that's condemned. The only ones that are condemned are the world. And that's when the world does not receive Christ. But once you receive Christ, you are no longer condemned. So don't condemn yourself. Don't make yourself condemned. That's what we're going to be focusing on tonight. Um, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Um, I don't just choose random topics to teach on non-Sunday school. Um, I always pray and ask God what he wants me to feed his sheep. Um, So as I was seeking him this week, he gave me this subject, the subject that he wanted me to teach on. Um, But in giving me the subject, breaking free from the prison of condemnation, his heart was also grieving. And his heart was hurting because of the way many of his children view him. Um, And so on tonight, Holy Spirit wants to fix that. A lot of times as believers, we have a warped view of God because we try to fit God into the box like he's a man. we We try to relate to him and think of him like how man would treat us, but God is not like that. With man, yeah, we do something wrong and then sometimes a man or a woman, they'll hold that thing against you forever. And they'll condemn you forever because they don't want to forgive you. But God is not like that. So we got to take God out of the box and we got to see him as the God that he is and not as a man who doesn't forgive and wants to condemn you and wants to keep you locked up in condemnation. Um, So make sure you have your Bibles so you can follow along as we go through the scriptures. If you don't have a Bible, you can pull up one for free online at BibleGateway.com. I do read from the King James Version, and I also read from the NASB Version. Um, So if you're following along and what I'm reading is different from what you're reading, it's because I'm reading from a different translation. Um, That being said, again, let's go ahead and jump right into the lesson. And thank you, Holy Spirit, for making this reception be strong on tonight so that we will not have any problems with the internet connection as well. In the name of Jesus, thank you. All right, so let's jump into the lesson. So the topic for tonight's lesson, for those of you who are just joining on the website, um, the topic for tonight's lesson is breaking free from the prison of condemnation. Um, Again, though I'm calling it a prison of condemnation, the warden of that prison is the spirit of condemnation. So it's a place that you can be called the prison of condemnation, but the person or the entity that's over that prison, that's overseeing that prison, that's monitoring that prison, is a spirit of condemnation. It's a spirit. It's a spirit sent by the adversary. It's a spirit sent by the devil himself to keep you locked up, to keep you condemned. So when you, whenever you're feeling condemned, I said feeling, whenever you are feeling condemned... It is a spirit responsible for causing that feeling. So it's not just a feeling, it's a spirit. And you have to understand that because if you don't understand that it's a spirit, then you'll let that spirit stay on you. And you'll let that condemnation stay on you thinking that you're just feeling a certain way when really it's a spirit that needs to be bound. It's a spirit that needs to be cast away from you. So you have to know what you're dealing with. You're not dealing with the feeling. You're dealing with the spirit of condemnation. That's the warden of the prison. That's the warden of the prison of condemnation, okay? So I want to make sure that's clear. Anytime you feel condemned, you have just identified the devil. Anytime. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how bad you've done it. I mean, how bad it was. It doesn't matter. Once you ask for forgiveness from God, and you're still feeling condemned, you have just identified the devil and he needs to be bound. So whether he's operating through you or through another person, once you see it happening, you know the spirit you're dealing with. You're dealing with the devil because God does not condemn The world is condemned already. That's the Bible. That's scripture. God didn't send Jesus into the world to condemn the world. The world without Jesus is condemned already. Condemnation is judgment. God's judgment, God's condemnation will happen at the final judgment. So until then, God is not condemning us. All right? So instead, he's hoping that we'll choose the gift of his son, Jesus, reconciling us back to him. Side note, okay? This is a side note. Although I'm saying God does not condemn us while we are in the earth, know that he does correct us, all right? So a lot of believers confuse correction with condemnation, especially when the correction is coming through a vessel God is using as his mouthpiece in the earth. Whom God loves, he corrects. He's gonna correct you, but just because he's correcting you does not mean he's condemning you. Okay, so I want to make sure that's clear. Correction and condemnation is two different things. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 11 and 12, and this is from the NASB version, it says, My son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof, which is his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he reproves or corrects even as a father corrects the son in whom he delights. So if you ever get to a place where God is not correcting you, the Bible calls you a bastard. I don't have that scripture pulled up right now, but that's in the Bible. If you're not being corrected by God and you're not growing and he's not showing you things that don't line up with the mirror of his word, when you look in at that reflection, if God is not checking you on that, that means you're a bastard. Okay, so that means that, you're not God's child, you're submitted to the devil, and God is not correcting you because you don't want him to be your father, but if you're his if you're his child, He is going to correct you. but again, correction is not condemnation. correction is love that's the Bible that's what we just read whom God loves He corrects all right, so oftentimes when I'm doing one on one ministry or evangelism. The person that I'm witnessing to will respond with reasons they don't have a relationship with God. And one of the number one reasons is because they feel like they aren't good enough to have a relationship with Him. So they're feeling condemned. They feel like they're not good enough. They're not, you know, churchy enough or whatever. They don't feel like they're good enough to have a relationship with God. They feel like they're caught up in so much bad that God hates them. Again, we have to change our view of God. We have to stop seeing God like a man and see him as God, our creator, who loves us. He doesn't hate us. He, he is not trying to condemn us. He loves us. So much that he sent his only begotten son to die for us while we were still in our sin. So he loves us that much. If he was trying to condemn us, he never would have sent his son Jesus to die for us in the first place. And I like to tell people, if you were the only person on the planet, God still would have sent Jesus to die just for you. No matter how bad you think you are, no matter how bad you know you think you've done, if you were the only person on the planet, God loves you that much that he would still send Jesus to die just for you. So get that. We have to understand the power of the blood of Jesus. The power of the blood of Jesus. When Jesus died on that cross, your sins died with him. You just have to accept it. So that means whenever you accept Jesus into your life as your Lord and personal Savior, you now have the power and the ability to use his blood to come to God to ask for forgiveness. His blood reconciles us back To God. So once you ask for forgiveness under the blood of Jesus, you have to understand and know that you are forgiven. And if you don't think that you're forgiven, you're basically saying the blood of Jesus is not powerful enough to wash away whatever it was that you did. It could have been something that you did five minutes ago. It could have been something that you did 10 seconds ago. The moment you ask God for forgiveness, you are forgiven and you are no longer condemned. We're going to get to that a little bit more in just a minute. Again, it's the spirit, the adversary sends the spirit to make you feel like you're not forgiven, tried to get you to not forgive yourself. So we have to learn how to forgive ourselves because once we ask for forgiveness under the blood, God forgives us immediately. God forgives us immediately. As long, as long as we have forgiven others. That's a sidebar right there. Okay? So... But going back to what I was saying, when I'm ministering um, or doing evangelism, a lot of people think that God hates them or they've done so much bad or so much sin that they don't qualify to have a relationship with God. So in their minds, God is reserved for the quote-unquote spiritually elite. And when they find out that God loves them exactly where they are and wants a relationship with them exactly where they are, their whole countenance changes. It's like their, their face lights up because they realize that they are the ones who Jesus died for they're the ones. <laughs> so there are also many believers. So I'm not just teaching this lesson because there are unbelievers who feel like they are not, you know, they can't have a relationship with God because they're so bad. But there are also many believers, um, those who have confessed Christ, who've strayed away from the faith. Maybe they found themselves in a backslidden state and they believe that they've strayed so far away from God that God doesn't love them anymore. So they also feel guilty and condemned. So much so that instead of running to God, they continue to run away from God. And that's exactly what the adversary wants them to do, run away from God, okay? So none of this is by accident. It's not by accident that the sinner feels like they can't come to God because they're too bad to come to him. And it's not by accident that a backslidden believer feels that they can't come back to God because they're feeling guilty or ashamed about straying away it's not an accident it's the strategy of the adversary to plant these thoughts in the minds of every single human being in this earth that's his job he's been doing it ever since adam and eve's fall in the garden why why does he do it he does it to keep mankind separated and away from god So the devil or the adversary, he knows that if he can keep you away from God, he wins. So he knows that God is not trying to separate from you, but he tries to make you separate yourself from God. If he can do that, he wins. His job, the devil's job is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And he can only do that if he's able to keep you out of God's presence. And the only thing, like I said, the only thing that can keep you out of God's presence is sin, is sin. But when you plead the blood of Jesus, once you confess Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, and you ask for forgiveness under that blood, the sin is not keeping you out of God's presence anymore. If you're not In God's presence and you've asked for forgiveness, it's not the sin that's keeping you out of God's presence. It's you keeping yourself out of God's presence because you've been deceived by the adversary to think that you're not worthy to come into his presence. The blood of Jesus when we ask for forgiveness through the blood of Jesus God no longer sees our sins because they're washed away instead he sees the righteousness of his son so you have to get that in your mind that it's not about you it's about the holiness of Jesus that's covering you and you as a believer you get the right to come to God boldly boldly not being ashamed of what you've done not being ashamed or embarrassed about what you did, but come to him boldly saying, father, in the name of Jesus, I ask your forgiveness for whatever it is, call it out and then thank him for his forgiveness and know that it's done. Lay it down at the altar and don't pick it back up. Whatever you did is over and it's done with once you put it under the blood of Jesus. Now, another sidebar there is a difference between forgiving asking for forgiveness and repenting that's a whole nother lesson but the point is you have to ask for forgiveness under the blood of jesus so you can be reconciled back to god when you do that you are not condemned but again like i said the devil he's been doing this ever since adam and eve fell in the garden let's go to genesis chapter 3 verses 1 through 11. And I'm reading from the NASB version. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden... God has said, you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die for God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate. And she also she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Who told you that you were naked? So as you can see, Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 11 that we just read The adversary has been doing, trying to make man feel embarrassed by their sins and make them run away from God ever since Adam and Eve fell in the garden. Ever since that happened, it's like when you sin, he wants you to hide yourself from God instead of running to God. So God was looking for them. He was, you know, he communed with them in the garden. He was looking forward to that communion, that relationship with Adam and Eve. But when he came looking for them, they were hiding. God knew where they were. So when he said, where are you? It's not that he didn't know where they were. He wanted them to know where they were. They were in a state. They were hiding from him. They were in a state they shouldn't have been. They were in a state that he didn't create them to be. He created them to be communing with him, to be, In relationship with him but what I want to what I want to bring out though is the word naked okay so get that from the verse that we just read that when we sin we should not be running from God and trying to hide ourselves from God instead the way God is looking for us we should also be looking for him so when we mess up the first thing I'm gonna do is I'm gonna look for God God forgive me like run to him quickly don't delay it do it quickly but the word naked in the, in the verses that we just read is actually the Hebrew word er is you are meaning to be exposed or bare. So they were naked, they were exposed, they disobeyed God and they were exposed or they were bare, all right? So when we sin, we feel exposed because now we're out there, we're caught up We did something that God didn't want us to do. Sometimes it's a public exposure. Sometimes it's a private exposure. But the point is, when you're exposed, the devil tries to make you feel bad about that exposure, and he tries to get you to hide. He tries you to get you to hide and try to hide yourself from God. So whenever you're feeling exposed because you did something wrong or whatever, don't try to hide that exposure from god you run into god completely exposed as a matter of fact you expose yourself before god and say god this is what i he already knows what you did but it's some. you have to confess your sins to him so that you're forgiven so you go to him and you say god this is what i did i didn't want to do it my heart didn't want to do it and i'm just asking your forgiveness father for what i did and help me holy spirit to not do it anymore and I put it under the blood of Jesus. And then you have to know that it's under the blood of Jesus. Okay? So I also want to bring out in verse 10, when um, Adam said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid. Anytime you see fear, you know the devil is behind it. Because God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Um, That's 2 Timothy verses 1 through 7. So, when you're feeling afraid to come into God's presence, you feel fearful that you're not good enough to come into God's presence, anytime you see fear or you feel fear, automatically know you have identified the devil's hand. The devil is behind that. All right? So... Last thing too, um in the B portion of verse ten, when Adam was speaking back to God and he said, I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Um when he said he hid, that was that's the Hebrew word Shaba. It's C H A B A, and it means to withdraw, to hide, to conceal, to do secretly. So he hid himself, he withdrew himself, he hid himself, he concealed himself, and he started doing things secretly. That's how the devil tries to keep you Lord away from God, he tries to make you feel like you're not good enough to come back into his presence. So now he's got you withdrawing from God's presence instead of running back to God's presence. He got you trying to conceal things from God when God is God, he's omniscient he knows everything anyway so he already knows everything that you've done what you may think that it's in the dark and that nobody knows about it but every single thing that you have done god knows about it you cannot conceal anything from him but the devil is a master of deception he tries to deceive us into thinking that we can conceal things from god we can't do that. We should. We can't withdraw from God. Because even when we try to withdraw from God, God is still there. He's still, He's always going to be as close to us as the air that we breathe. So he never leaves us. He never forsakes us. The only thing is when you try to withdraw from him because you're trying to pull away, you don't discern his presence even though he's there. The Bible says if you make your bed in hell, I'm there. So no matter what you do or where you go, God is always going to be there and he's always going to know exactly what you did and he knows what you did before you did it. And even knowing what you were going to do before you did it, he still made a way through the blood of his son. Again, like I said in the beginning, if you were the only person in this earth, he still would have sent Jesus to die just for you, even though he already knew what you was going to do before you did it. You just have to accept that and stop beating yourself up. As long as you are in this flesh, you have to understand man is made of three parts, your body, your soul, and your spirit. Your body is your flesh. As long as you are in this flesh, you are going to sin. You are going to fall short. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you call yourself Jesus Jr., You're going to sin. The only man that has never sinned and will never sin that has walked this earth is Jesus. Everybody else, I don't care how perfect you think you are, you are going to sin. The only difference between us, those who confess Christ, and those who are in the world, the only difference is that we have the ability to be forgiven for our sins. It's not that we're better than they are. Yes, we love God, but it doesn't mean that we don't sin. With them, yes, they practice sin. So there is a bit of a difference because the world is sinners. They're sinners. And we already went over this before in other lessons. A sinner is someone who practices sin. So once you confess Christ, you're not practicing sin, but you do sin and you will sin. You can think the wrong thing and it's a sin. You can be walking down the street and somebody walked by with a six pack and you didn't intend to look, but you looked. You look once and you look twice. When you look twice, that's a sin. You're scrolling on Instagram and all of a sudden, Idris Elba (laughs) shows up in your Instagram feed with no shirt on. And you look twice. That's a sin. Okay? So you're going to sin. You're going to sin. You have to use the blood of Jesus. Ask for forgiveness and then forgive yourself. The biggest part of this lesson on tonight is I'm trying to get you to understand you have to forgive yourself. That if you don't forgive yourself, that's how you get locked up in that prison of condemnation, which is where the devil wants you to be because again, that keeps you separated from God because you're keeping yourself separated from God because you don't think that you're forgiven, okay? Okay. So don't try to conceal anything from God. Don't try to hide anything from God. When you sin, you don't try to withdraw from God. You run to God. You run to him. And if you have problems continuing to sin and you're finding yourself where you're more of a sinner or where you are practicing sin, then that's when you need the baptism of Holy Spirit. If you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, As someone who's confessing Christ, you are going to be a sinner. You're going to be practicing sin even though your heart doesn't want to practice sin because there's no way that you can live out this Bible without that Holy Spirit fire baptism. He is your help. When you get that fire baptism, he consumes you, he takes over you, he purges you of things that are not like God, he purifies your character, and he helps you to become that vessel that God created you to be in the earth. So if you find yourself being a sinner, someone who practices sin, don't condemn yourself, Instead, you ask for forgiveness under the blood of Jesus and you ask for that fire baptism and let Holy Spirit begin to work on you and you cooperate with him as he works on you. Holy Spirit is your helper in this earth. He's your best friend. He helps develop into you the character of God, the fruit of the Spirit. So... Don't beat yourself up while you're in that process of becoming the vessel that God created you to be. Don't condemn yourself when you mess up. And prophetically, I wrote this down. Prophetically, God is saying to some of you, I created you to be exposed to me. Don't try to hide your nakedness. Expose it to me. Don't try to cover up your nakedness. For there is nothing you can sew together to cover it up. My eyes can see through your leaves. It was never my will for you to try and cover yourself. It has always been my desire to cover you. Remove your cover up. Remove your leaves and come to me naked and bare. And allow me, your creator, to cover you. I will cover you with the blood of my son, Jesus. For that is the only covering thick enough to prevent my eyes from seeing your nakedness. That's for somebody, whether on the live or the replay. Let's go to Romans chapter eight, verses one through four. I'm reading from the NASB version. It says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death, of death. From sin, Let's go back and read that again. Let's start over. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of Christ life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did. Sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh... And as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So where it says, there is therefore now no condemnation, that word condemnation is the Greek word katakrima, K-A-T-A-K-R-I-M-A, meaning penalty, punishment, Punishment following condemnation, penal servitude. Penal servitude is the punishment of being sent to prison and forced to do hard physical work. So the Bible is saying there is therefore now no penalty, no penalty whatsoever. There's no punishment whatsoever when you're in Christ Jesus. Key is, and I'm going to keep repeating this, the key is to be in Christ Jesus. You have to use his blood. That for me, I I ask for forgiveness about 20 to 30 times a day. Just in case it's something that I did or thought. Because again, you can have a thought that's unholy. Just in case it's anything that's there, seen or unseen, known or unknown, that was sin that I didn't know about or that I knew about. I'm going to ask for forgiveness because I don't want anything separating me from God. You cannot use the blood of Jesus too much. As a matter of fact, I personally believe that believers don't use the blood of Jesus enough. You have some people, they may ask for forgiveness once a week. Okay, well, what if you died tomorrow and you was planning on asking for forgiveness on Friday? That means you died in your sin. Back in the Old Testament, you have to understand how the blood of Jesus works. You have to understand how the sacrifice works as an atonement for your sins. Back in the Old Testament, whenever um, there, there was sin... There had to be an atonement offering. That atonement offering was was an animal had to be killed and sacrificed, and there had to be bloodshed. If there was that wasn't that sacrifice, then their sin still stood. But once that sacrifice was made and that blood was, uh, sacrificed and presented to God, now that sin is washed away. So if you don't ask, if you do something that's sin, or you think something that's sin, or you're lusting after somebody and it's sin, and you don't ask for forgiveness under the blood, that means that as long as you're not asking for forgiveness, you're still separated from God. I don't think people understand, not people, but it's a lot of believers that don't understand the seriousness of asking for forgiveness always under the blood. Because again, if you die and you haven't asked for forgiveness, that means that your sin still has you in a separated state from God, which means you're going to hell because you died in your sin separated from God. There's a scripture in the Bible that says the righteous would scarcely be saved. So those who are trying to live right and do right, they're going to barely make it into heaven. But You are righteousness. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. The only thing that makes the righteous righteous is the blood of Jesus. So we, the righteous, we understand that when we mess up, we are quick to ask for forgiveness. Even when we don't mess up, we still going to ask for forgiveness just in case it was something there that we didn't know about. Again, use that blood. It's never going to run out. It's never going to lose its power. So if you have to act just a hundred times a day, Lord, forgive me for any sins I may have committed. I confess all my sins, trespasses, transgressions, and iniquities, seen and unseen, known and unknown. I put it under the blood of Jesus. I thank you for your forgiveness, Lord. And in the name of Jesus, I forgive myself. Boom, you clean. Now you just forgive yourself and don't feel condemned. Act as if it never happened because jesus's blood justifies us which means that as soon as you put it under the blood of jesus it's just as if it never happened you can have friends around you who just saw you commit this sin five minutes ago and you're sitting up talking about you didn't you no. well i i, I like to say i dismember it so when they try to get you to remember something that you did I just get spiritual amnesia on the devil and say, I dismembered that. I don't remember that because remember, remember means to put something back together again. Remember how we take communion and Jesus says, whenever you do this, do this in remembrance of me. So when you remember something, you're putting it back together again. So I don't care. If you did something two minutes ago, 10 seconds ago, I don't care if you're having a problem with fornication and you sitting on the side of somebody's bed right now, feeling bad because you just had sex outside of marriage, but you didn't want to do it and you're feeling guilty about it. Why are you sitting on the side of the bed? Say, Father, forgive me in the name of Jesus and help me not to do this no more. And then you get in your car and the devil start trying to beat you up saying... You God ain't forgiving you. You're gonna go back next week, whatever. Be like, I dismember that. I dismember it. I don't remember. I don't know what you're talking about, devil. Shut up. Silence him. You don't let the devil punk you and throw that guilt on you. You are forgiven under the blood of Jesus. There is no condemnation, no punishment. Once you plead that blood, understand the power of the blood. Again. On tonight, If you're just joining us on my website or in the studio, because I can't see my screen right now, we are talking about breaking free from the prison of condemnation. This lesson is not so much about God forgiving you. I'm telling you how you're forgiven by God and how easy it is to be forgiven by God. I'm trying to get you to forgive yourself. That's where the devil is trying to get a lot of people by getting them locked up in condemnation where they will—they don't know how to forgive themselves, so they don't think that God is forgiving them. So through this lesson, I'm proving to you that God is forgiving you. You just got to forgive yourself and develop spiritual amnesia on the devil and dismember anything he tries to throw back in your remembrance concerning what you did. All right, so let's go to... John chapter eight, verse 34 through 36. It says, Jesus answered them, verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. If the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. That's the word of God. So, either you're going to believe God's word is final or you're not going to believe God's word is final. If the word of God says, If the Son therefore shall make you free, you should be free indeed. That means that the blood of Jesus, Jesus' sacrifice and what he did for you on the cross, once you accept that sacrifice, he's making you free as long as you keep using that blood and applying that blood and asking for forgiveness under the blood. If he's saying that if you do that, you're free indeed and you're saying you're not free, then you're going against what the scripture says. As a matter of fact, that's a religious spirit. That's a religious spirit. If the Bible is saying whom the son sets free is free indeed, and you're still letting the devil make you feel guilty about something you did in your past, even if it's the recent past, that's a religious spirit. What a religious spirit will do is... You can do something and then, you know, maybe you're expecting favor in a certain situation from God and then you go and you do something that sin and now you feel like you can't come into God's presence for three days because, you know, you got to punish yourself for what you did so you don't feel worthy enough to come into God's presence for a week. So you went and had sex or whatever and it's like well i can't go back into god's presence i need to have this little pity party for a few days and then i'm gonna come back to god's presence no that's a religious spirit you're saying that oh well if i stay away from god or run away from god for a week then i'll be able to come back and everything will be okay because i stayed away from him so you that is a religious spirit that's a religious spirit So you trying to make yourself feel bad about something that you did, thinking that that's going to make God feel better about, you know, forgiving. That's a religious spirit. So if that's you, I pray that God will set you free from that religious spirit. I'm not going to give that example. I was about to give an example. Give me another example. Holy Spirit, if you want me to give me, if you want me to give that example, then bring it back in, in the name of Jesus. All right. So let's, let's move on. Um, I, it's, I got to think of an example for that. I'm going to come back to that. Cause I need to give it, I need to give another example on that, but Romans chapter five, verses one through 21. And this is reading from the NASB version. It says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have, Okay, I'm gonna give that example. Okay, Holy Spirit, you telling me to give that example? I'm gonna give this cause I'm delivered. I'm gonna give this example. All right. So for me, some of y'all know my testimony. Been single and celibate forever, waiting for God to bring me my husband. So one of the things that I struggled with um, for a long time, my my ex husband introduced me to pornography. When I was in college, so once I got divorced, I wasn't having sex with anybody. I wasn't with anybody, so I would watch pornography to get off. And again, I'm talking about this because I'm delivered. I just didn't want to share it because I don't want to be like graphic or whatever, but Holy Spirit is saying, okay, forget it. You're delivered. I'm going to share it because maybe it'll help somebody. All right, but anyway, so once I got divorced, I wasn't having sex, but I was watching pornography And what do you watch pornography for? You watch pornography to get off. You watch pornography to masturbate. Excuse me being graphic, but that's what you watch it for. If you're watching it, you're watching it for a reason. So I wasn't having sex with anybody, but I would watch pornography and masturbate. Still trying to grow in God, still trying to be close to God. But whenever I would masturbate, then... I would feel so bad. I would feel so bad that it's like I would stay out of God's presence for like three days. I felt like God wouldn't talk to me. Like, God, I'm just so dirty. I'm just so filthy. Like, I don't want to do these things. And God, I'm sorry I let you down. So what I would literally do was after I did that, it would be like, I would, I would, it's like, I would try to punish myself emotionally and I would stay in that funk for about three or four days. And then after about four days, now I feel like, okay, now God will forgive me because some time has passed and uh, he knows I'm really not trying to do this no more. But it's like, I make my, I beat myself up for three or four days because I did that. All right, so I just had to give that as an example. Me doing that was a religious spirit because the moment I asked for forgiveness, I was forgiven. As a matter of fact, I would delay asking for forgiveness because I just did it. And it's like, I can't ask God for forgiveness and I just masturbate, I just watch pornography. I can't ask him for forgiveness now. Let me just wait a few days and then I'm gonna ask him for forgiveness. That is a religious spirit. And if I had died in my sin before being able to ask him for forgiveness, I would have bust hell wide open because I would have died in a separated state from God because that sin of masturbation, that sin of watching pornography had me separated from God. The blood of Jesus is what cleansed me from it. But the devil was trying to make me not put that under the blood and hold on to the guilt, hold on to the guilt. So For whatever reason, Holy Spirit had me share that. And y'all know me, I'm transparent. When God says do something, I have to do it. I tried to fight it, thought it was just my flesh trying to share it. It was Holy Spirit. And I dare not be disobedient to what he's telling me to say because this is his room and these words gonna bless somebody. So if that's you and you're struggling with masturbation, watching pornography, having sex, whatever it is that you're struggling with, do not beat yourself up. Do not delay going to God, asking for forgiveness. Don't try to stretch out the days. You know, the, Don't try to run from God or conceal what you did. You immediately go to him and you ask for forgiveness. Because again, the devil's job is to keep you out of the presence of God. The blood of Jesus allows you to come into his presence. But if you're not getting up under that blood then he's keeping you out of the presence of God. Or if you try to go up under the blood and you're forgiving him, but you're still beating yourself up and letting him lock you up in condemnation, you're still keeping yourself out of the presence of God. So again, we're not allowing the adversary to do that. We're taking back that power. He does not have the power to lock you up in condemnation. Only you have the power to do that, and you are not going to do that anymore after tonight in the name of Jesus. All right. So now let's go to Romans 5. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Now let's go to Romans 5, 1 through 21 from the NASB version. It says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand and we exult in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance, proving character, and proving character, hope. And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For while we were still helpless... At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man, someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, that sinners, E-R-S, that means while we were still practicing sin, not sinner from time to time, but being professional sinners who loved it. When I was in the world sinning, I loved it. It felt good. I was enjoying my sin. And while I was out there enjoying my sin, while I was still a sinner, Christ still would have, he died just for me. He died just for me, just for you. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. Loving our sin. Much more than, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. And remember, justified means just as if I'd never done it. So once you ask for forgiveness under the blood, you can legally get spiritual amnesia on the devil and dismember whatever it was that was done because his blood, Jesus' blood, makes it just as if you never did it. And that saves you from the wrath of God. Because had it not been for the blood of Jesus, oh, you'd be dead. The wages of sin is death. But because of Jesus' blood and the sacrifice that he made for you, when you use that blood, it saves you from the wrath of God. So you ain't got to worry about God being angry at you for what you did once you ask for forgiveness. God forgets it. God forgets your sin. Like he can't even remember it anymore. So don't you remember it? If God has forgotten it, why are you remembering it? I can tell you why. It's because the devil's job is to make you remember it, to try to keep you out of the presence of God. But going on, verse 10. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only this, But we also exult in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Therefore, just as through one man, sin entered into the world, which was Adam, and death through sin, which was from Adam. And so death spread to all men, which is all of us because of what Adam did. All right, so we're automatically born into sin because of what Adam and Eve did in the garden. Like even a little baby, it does not matter. You are born into sin until we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Once we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, his blood cleanses our sin as long as we ask for forgiveness under his blood. But going to verse 13 go back i'm sorry i don't want to i don't want to bust up that sentence like that so let's go back to verse 12 therefore just as through one man sin entered into the world and death through sin and so death spread to all men because all sinned for until the law sin was in the world but sin is not imputed when there is no law nevertheless death reigned from adam until moses even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. So it's telling you right there. After Adam's sin, even those who had not even sinned anywhere close to what Adam did in the garden, they're still born into sin. All right? Verse 15, But the free gift is not like the transgression, for if by the transgression of the one the many died much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many. The gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For on the one hand, the judgment arose from one transgression resulting in condemnation. So again, condemnation was born in the garden with Adam and Eve. That was the first time condemnation was seen Because the devil is trying to make them run from God. Instead of running to him, they're running from him. All right? So going back, the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For on the one hand, the judgment arose from one transgression resulting in condemnation. But on the other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions resulting in justification. Again, Jesus is that free gift. Who justifies us, making it just as if we never did what we did, as long as we ask for forgiveness under His blood? I'm keep. I'ma keep driving at home because again, we do not use the blood of Jesus enough. We got to use it daily throughout the day before you go to sleep at night, when you wake up in the morning, just in case you sinned in your dreams, just in case some spirit spouse came and visited you in your dream and you had sex in your dream, that's still sin. Your spirit was having sex with another spirit. That's sin. Not sin that you necessarily could have controlled because it happened in a dream, but still use the blood of Jesus all throughout the day when you wake up before you go to sleep all throughout the day always be asking for forgiveness you cannot ask for forgiveness too much okay you cannot use the blood of jesus too much always use it make sure you're make sure you're forgiven that makes sure that you're forgiven and then you have to forgive yourself again get that spiritual amnesia on the devil and forget what you did it's washed away, it's wiped away, all right? So, what verse was I on? Um, verse 17, For if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. So then as through one transgression there resulted condemnation to all men going back to what adam did even so through one act of righteousness there resulted justification of life to all men which is what jesus did so adam did one act of transgression disobedience which brought condemnation to all men jesus died on the cross for our sins nailed our sins to the cross when he died for us. So that one act of righteousness makes us all justified, which is just as if none of us ever sin as long as what we keep using that blood. want to make sure you got it. All right. Verse 19 for as through the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. Even so through the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous. The law came in so that the transgression would increase. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And remember, I um, did a teaching on grace. What grace is, this thing called grace. What it is, what it isn't so we learn in that lesson if you haven't heard that lesson go back and listen to it because it's a very powerful lesson it tells you what grace is what it isn't grace is not a license to sin grace is a grace period giving you time to repent for the sin that you did if you do not repent before that grace period expires aka you die and you no longer have breath in your body Then you die separated from God, which means you go to hell. So grace is basically giving you time, giving you time so that when you sin, God's grace is there so that you don't immediately die from your sin. God is giving you a grace period to come to him, asking for his forgiveness under the blood of Jesus. That's grace. Just like a bill collector. When that bill is due, they give you a grace period to pay it. If you don't pay it by the time that grace period ends, then your stuff is going to get cut off. Same way with God. You sin, you owe a debt. God has given you that grace, that grace period to pay that debt through the blood of Jesus. And if that grace period expires and that debt is still out there because you haven't asked for forgiveness, then you get disconnected. You get disconnected from God permanently though, because that means you're dead. The grace period is over. All right, So go back and listen to that lesson and listen to the one about once saved, always saved. Those two lessons kind of go together, but it'll show you how not to abuse the grace of God. It lets you know what grace is, why it's there, and how to ask for that forgiveness and stay under the blood of Jesus. All right, So John chapter 3 verses 16 through 18 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever... That includes you, me, Saddam Hussein, Adolf Hitler. It don't matter. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Why did I give those names? The reason I gave those names is because even as bad as they were, if they did, if they had enough sense to confess Christ before they drew their last breath, you will see them in heaven because they asked for forgiveness under the blood even despite all the bad things that they did, the blood of Jesus washes it all away. So the blood of Jesus is strong enough to wash any sin away, any sin, any sin whatsoever, all right? So for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, because remember the world is condemned already, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And look at that word in verse 18, believeth. We went over that before in another lesson. Anytime you see E-T-H at the end of the word, it means to do it and to continue to do it. So it's not that you believe in Jesus, believe on Jesus one time, or you come to the altar when you're seven years old, and you believed him then, but then after that, you ain't believe on him no more. You just out here running wild in the world, doing your own thing, and just loose. Okay, that don't apply to you. This scripture applies to you. If you believe on Jesus and you continue to believe on Jesus, then you're not condemned. So you got to keep believing. It's not a one and done thing. So if if you continue to believe in Jesus... And you continue to use his blood when you mess up asking for forgiveness when you mess up you are not condemned and i'm gonna throw this in because i feel holy spirit leading me to say it i'm not gonna necessarily teach on it tonight but like i said when you mess up you ask for forgiveness under the blood of jesus now the reason you don't want to just keep asking for forgiveness instead of repenting because re- repentance is changed behavior so you can be forgiven even though you haven't repented. As long as you got breath enough in your body to ask for forgiveness under the blood of Jesus, you can be forgiven and you can still go to heaven. But if you don't repent repentance meaning change behavior if you don't repent and change your ways then you're not going to be able to walk in your purpose in the earth you're not going to be able to be and do everything that god called you to be and do in this earth why because in order for you to do those things you need the fruit of the spirit in your life you need god's character in your life you need his anointing in your life and if you still stumbling and fumbling and not trying to repent and all you're doing is just trying to barely make it in, then you're just going to keep asking for forgiveness, but you're not going to walk in purpose. So if you want to walk in purpose and you want to be and do everything that God put you in the earth to be and do, then don't just keep asking for forgiveness. You need to repent as well. Repent means you're turning everything, you're turning your heart back to God. You're turning to God and you're saying, Father... You know, I know I keep asking for forgiveness, but I really don't want to do this no more. Holy Spirit, help me to not do this no more. And I'm going to cooperate with you so that when you, for every temptation that comes your way, there's always going to be a door of escape. Holy Spirit is going to make sure of that. So when you're truly repenting, It's not saying that the devil is not going to come at you to try to tempt you to do things that displease God. He's going to come at you, however, because you're submitted to Holy Spirit and you're repentant, you truly have a repentant heart, you're going to take that door of escape when Holy Spirit presents it to you. You're not going to be rebellious out here doing your own thing. So when you repent now other people can eat from your fruit because you have the fruit of the Spirit and you're truly out here just being a light in the world. It's not about you stumbling and fumbling and getting back up. You're out here being a light. You're walking in authority. You're walking in power. Yes, you're forgiven. Yes, you can ask for forgiveness and you're still asking for forgiveness because you sin, but you truly have a heart to do God's will now. That's the difference between forgiving, asking for forgiveness and repenting so you want to make sure that you're not just either way you're not going to be condemned so as long as you're asking for forgiveness under the blood of jesus you're not condemned and if you're repenting you're not condemned but you don't want to just stop it asking for forgiveness you want to walk in purpose so make sure you turn your heart back to god give it to him listen to the lesson that i taught on the holy spirit fire baptism because that is what you are going to need in order to live that life of repentance and turn your heart back to God. You cannot do it without Holy Spirit fire, all right? So if you don't know what Holy Spirit fire baptism is, please do yourself a favor and listen to that, okay? It's on my website. Moving on, and I'm almost done. So there's not one person on this earth who does not sin. We're gonna sin. I told you the difference between sinning and being a sinner. So, we're going to sin as long as we're in these earthly, fleshly bodies. Although we sin, we're not sinners. We don't practice sin, we practice righteousness. But we understand that when we do sin, we don't try and hide it from God. We don't try to conceal it from God. We don't try to run away from God. We don't try to run out of his presence. We don't do like I was doing where you spend three days trying to, you know, make it where you're good enough to go back into His God's presence because you operate on the religious spirit. We don't do none of that. We confess it immediately under the blood of Jesus and we keep it moving as if it never happened. Because remember, the blood of Jesus justifies us making it just as if I never did whatever it was that I did. All right. So let's go to Romans chapter three, verses 21 through 28. This NASB version as well. It says, but now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe. For there is no distinction for all, not y'all, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It didn't say fell short of the glory of God like it's past tense. It says we all sin and fall short. So we're going to always fall short of God's glory. And if you got anybody out there, any leader, any preacher, any pastor, any prophet, anybody who sinned, if they don't sin, and they're Mr. Perfect or they're Miss Perfect, you have identified a lying spirit because that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says all, not y'all. That means them too. All right. So every single one of us has sin, will sin, and will continue to sin and will continue to fall short of God's glory. It's going to happen as long as we're in this flesh. However, like I keep preaching and harping on this message, you got to plead ask for forgiveness under the blood of Jesus that's how we're out that's our safety that cleanses us that makes us at it makes it, at it as if we never fell short as if we never sinned as if we're righteous because the blood of Jesus makes us righteous it's his imputed righteousness so when god looks at us after we've asked for forgiveness through his son god doesn't see our flaws He doesn't see our sins. He sees the righteousness of his son. That means you can stand boldly in his presence. Even if you just sinned five minutes ago, once you ask for forgiveness, you stand boldly flat-footed in his presence or flat-faced as you fall prostrate before him. But the point is you're forgiven and he doesn't remember your sin anymore and you shouldn't either. Verse 24, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith. It's the only way you're going to be able to receive it is through faith. This was to demonstrate his righteousness because in the forbearance of God he passed over the sins previously committed. For the demonstration, I say, of his righteousness at the present time so that he would be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus where then is boasting is it excluded by what kind of law of works no but by a law of faith for we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from works of the law so Paul is basically saying I ain't got no right to boast. Ain't nobody up in here got a right to boast. We can't boast about nothing because we all sin. And it's the blood of Jesus that justifies us and nothing else. It's not the law that justifies us. It's not of works that justifies us. It's not sinning and then waiting three days to come back into God's presence that justifies you. No, it's by faith. It's the law of faith. You got to believe that Jesus' blood cleanses you and that you can ask for forgiveness under that blood. And whom the Son sets free through His blood is free indeed. That's what it is. All right. So, 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 10. And this is also, we're reading a lot from the NASB tonight. Um, but this is also going to be from the NASB version. 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 10. It says, what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life and the life was manifested and we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the father and was manifested to us. Sidebar. Manifested is not applying to the like the way the world does manifesting. The way the world does manifesting is witchcraft. So this manifestation is not that kind of manifestation, okay? So I want to make that clear being that manifestation it is in the Bible, but this is biblical manifestation, all right? So we don't do witchcraft. We don't work witchcraft. We don't manifest our own wills. We let God manifest his will in us. All right. But verse three, what we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the father and with his son, Jesus Christ. These things we write so that our joy may be made complete. This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. That's another sidebar. So you can't be walking in darkness and say that you have a relationship with God because if you're walking with God and you're submitted to God, you're going to be walking in the light. But you got to, again, ask for Holy Spirit's help to help you, to help you walk in that light. Verse seven, but if we walk in the light, As he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. In other words, you lying. Verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Key is you have to confess your sins. So again, use the blood of Jesus a hundred times a day if you have to. Stay in God's face asking for forgiveness all day if you have to, because every time you do that, it automatically cleanses you, purifies you from all unrighteousness, and all God will see is the righteousness of His Son and not your sins anymore. Again, the only thing that will cause God to not forgive us is when we're holding unforgiveness in our hearts against somebody else. That's Matthew chapter 18, go read it. But as long as we show forgiveness towards others, anytime we ask God for forgiveness in the name of Jesus, we are forgiven. And then verse 10, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So yeah, if anybody ever says they haven't sinned or that they don't sin, you're basically calling God a liar. So one of the names for the adversary is the accuser of the brethren. His job is to try and keep you in a condemned state because when you are condemned, he can release his squatting spirits into your house. And go and listen to the teaching I did on squatting spirits. I'm not going to go into that tonight. But when he got you feeling condemned, remember condemned is like a condemned house, it's empty. When he got you feeling empty, he can release his squatting spirits in your house. So when you realize that you're not condemned, but are instead covered under the blood of Jesus, the devil can't set up shop in your house. Again, his whole point of trying to keep you locked up in that 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 prison of condemnation is so that he can set up shop in your house. And the only reason he'll be able to set up shop in your house is because when you're condemning yourself, you're keeping yourself out of the presence of God. And when you're keeping yourself out of the presence of God, the devil can come in and he can win in your life because you're choosing to be separated from God, even though you don't have to be. So moving on moving on moving on I think I went over that already yeah I'm going for this so I, I talked about the religious spirit a few minutes ago just being transparent with my own experiences but yeah religious spirit will make you feel like after you've messed up you have to stay away from God until you feel worthy enough to return back into his presence I gave y'all that example, my own story. All right. And all the time you're staying away from God's presence, like I said, the devil is kicking your tail, like kicking and kicking it. Like he just punking you all the way around, just making you feel like you ain't got no power, no authority over him. He just slapping you upside your head, slapping you upside your head because you're choosing to stay away from God. You're choosing to condemn yourself. Um, I did. I heard a minister say recently that one of the problems with sin is that it messes with your confidence, and I completely agree with that statement. So, like my whole thing when I was giving the example of my own experience, when you're sin, when you're in sin, it's the it's it's not as big it's not a bigger problem as you think it is because Jesus died for your sins and you can be forgiven right so if Jesus died for you and you can be forgiven then why is sin such a problem after you ask for your forgiveness but the person gave the example when you sin and you ask for forgiveness now it messes with your confidence because now you feel like god you know ain't going to do what he said what you were believing him for because you messed up and you disappointed god Or now you don't feel like you're worthy enough to ask God for this because you sin. So yeah, sin messes up your confidence. It makes you feel like when you can't stand before God boldly, you have to stand before him like scared, afraid, trembling. Like you can't ask him for nothing but that's how the devil wants you to feel. That's now that's not how it is really in the spirit realm. That's not how God created it to be, but if the devil can put those thoughts in your mind to make you feel that way and think that way and take on that mindset, then yeah, it's going to mess with your confidence. So sin will mess with your confidence. It'll make you think god like for example, God is giving you the power to to cast out devils to heal the sick to raise the dead but what the devil will do he'll come along maybe you just had sex with somebody right and you've asked for forgiveness and now you're walking in the mall and you kind of feel like holy spirit is telling you to go lay hands on the lady that's in the wheelchair because he wants to heal her but now you're not feeling confident because you know the last night you just had sex with somebody outside of marriage so now Your confidence is not there to do what God is telling you to do because you're condemning yourself. So I hope that example makes sense. That's a perfect example. It will mess with your confidence to obey God and walk in the authority that God has given you to walk in. So again, it's like the devil is punking you. If he can keep you in condemnation, he can punk you out of your authority. All right? So do not live in that condemned state of mind. Once you are free, once Jesus' blood makes you free through you asking for forgiveness, you are free indeed. Free indeed. And I'm just about done. Just about done. All right. So let's go to Revelation chapter 12, verses 7 through 12. And this is also from the NASB version. And it says, and there was war in heaven, Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon. The dragon and his angels waged war, and they were not strong enough, and there was no longer a place found for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who is called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his christ have come for the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down he who accuses them before our god day and night and they overcame him because of the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony and they did not love their life even when they even when faced with death for this reason rejoice O heavens and you who dwell in them woe to the earth and the sea Because the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, knowing that he has only a short time. So there we see again in that scripture, the devil, he is the accuser of the brethren. He's going to accuse you before God day and night. He's going to accuse you before yourself in your own mind and he's going to accuse you before God, but God is the God of his word. When God's word says, when you ask for forgiveness under the blood, you're forgiven and God forgets your sins. So the devil can't even have that conversation with God, even though he tries to, God dismisses him because God is going to honor his word saying your sins are forgiven. But You cannot let him accuse you because even though he can't accuse you before God, if you allow him to accuse you in your mind, you're still going to be condemned because you're condemning yourself. And he's doing it because, again, he's trying to win in your life. He knows he only has a short time in this earth before his judgment comes. So he's trying to get all his licks in. Do not let him get his licks in by condemning you and making you feel guilty once Jesus' blood has set you free and you've asked for forgiveness under the blood. All right? So if you allow him to get to you, you forfeit your authority over to him. We talked about authority and power um, in the last series that we did with the ABCs of Prayer on levels and authority. So he has power, but you got authority and power. But when you allow him to condemn you, you are forfeiting your authority over to him. So again, Get spiritual amnesia on the devil and act like you never did it because the blood of Jesus makes it just as if you never did it, whatever it was. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 21. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now, all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. So God stepped down in the form of Jesus, saved you by dying on the cross for your sins so that he can reconcile you back to himself, not counting your sins, your trespasses against you. So that's what God did. You think he did all of that just to not honor his word, saying that you're forgiven and you're not condemned? No, he did it because he meant it. He honors his word. His word is true. His word is final. You are free and free indeed because you are reconciled back to God through Jesus as long as what? You keep using that blood. You keep asking for forgiveness under the blood of Jesus. All right, verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. It's simple. The only thing to be reconciled, you got to do to be reconciled to God, is to keep using the blood. Keep using the blood of Jesus. And then after you use the blood of Jesus, don't you separate yourself through condemnation. Verse 21. He made him who knew no sin, which is Jesus, to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus' blood makes us righteous as long as we what? Use that blood. Isaiah 55 verse 7, NASB. It says, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return to the lord and he will have compassion on him and to our god for he will abundantly pardon so god is full of pardon; he does not run out of pardon he does not run out of forgiveness so again if you got to go to god a thousand times a day asking for forgiveness just in case you did something wrong do that and then don't condemn yourself Once you ask for forgiveness under the blood of Jesus, you are forgiven. And again, anything making you feel otherwise is a religious spirit, a.k.a. the devil, his adversaries, the spirit of condemnation. And I pray that God will deliver you from those spirits in the name of Jesus. Be free from that prison of condemnation. Be free from that spirit of condemnation. In Jesus' name. And that is it. That's the lesson for tonight. I'm going to open up the floor for those of you who may have questions, comments, feedback. Um, Just type it in the chat if you have a question or feedback or whatever. If you're on my website and you want to ask questions, give comments or feedback, then you got about 60 seconds to jump over on the Podbean app or on the House of Elohim International Ministries I'm going to go on mute while I set my music for our closing song and prayer. And then we'll go ahead and close out for tonight. But yeah, if you have any comments or feedback, just put it in the chat. You're welcome, Ray. And welcome to all of you came into the live studio as well. I'm going to mute my mic. You got about 30 more seconds if if you have questions to put it in the chat. All right, so we're going to assume there are no questions, so we're going to go ahead and close out with prayer, and then we're going to close out with a song, and yes, so Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus, thank you so much for the words um, that you gave me on tonight to release to God's sheep. I thank you for helping me to be transparent um, with my own testimony, and I pray that it bless someone, whether on the live or on the replay. In the name of Jesus, anyone who was dealing with the spirit of condemnation, we bind that spirit now in the name of Jesus, Christ of Nazareth, and we send that spirit of condemnation back to the pits of hell. Father, we pray right now they will receive your word as final, saying that whom the son sets free, whom your son sets free, is free indeed. So I thank you, Father, for helping them to understand the power of the blood of Jesus, Help them to run to you always, daily and throughout the day, Heavenly Father, asking for forgiveness under the blood of Jesus. And I thank you, Father, that you are faithful and just to forgive them and to remember their sins no more. I thank you, Father, that any religious spirit that they've been dealing with that would try to make them feel like they have to earn um, the right to come into your presence I pray right now against that religious spirit. We bind that religious spirit in the name of Jesus and we send it back to the pits of hell. Let them be free from that spirit, Father. And let them have a spirit that's all about relationship, Father. Not religion, but a true authentic relationship with you. Understanding, Father, that you love them so much that if they were the only person in the earth, you would have still sent your son, Jesus, to die for them just so you can have that relationship with them, Father. So help them to understand how much they matter to you. Help them to understand how much you love them, Father. So I thank you that they will walk free in their minds, free in their spirit, free from condemnation, Father, knowing that they are your child and that you love them unconditionally. I thank you, Father, that you will even move them past just asking for forgiveness under the blood of jesus but that you will move them holy spirit to true repentance turning their hearts completely back over to the father and i thank you father that as they turn their hearts completely back over to you you're going to use them and work through them in a mighty way in this earth father in the name of jesus as you transform them from the inside out with your word So help them to get into your word to understand who they are in you, Father, and who you are in them. Holy Spirit, baptize them with that fire, your fire, your holy fire that purifies, that purges, Holy Spirit. Do that for each person on the live as well as those who may listen to the replay. Set their lives ablaze and on fire for for our God, for Father God, in the name of Jesus. Send them out as fiery servants in this earth, Father, representing you. Let them be lights in this earth, Father, in the name of Jesus, understanding again that they are loved, they are forgiven, and they are justified by the blood of Jesus. Let them go free in Jesus' name. We decree and declare that it is so. Amen. Amen. So I love you all. I'm going to go ahead and close out with this song. This song is Sinner's Prayer. By Dietrich Haddon. It's kind of an old song, but it fits the occasion on tonight. And I will see you all Friday night for Friday Night Fire. And I will see you all back here next Wednesday night for Non Sunday School. I love you, y'all. Have a blessed rest of your week and weekend. Good night. Love you.
1: I I've seen a spread I've seen a spread I've seen a spread I, I could have been dead yeah. Sleeping in my grave yeah, yeah. But God Another day Whoa. Even when I did wrong He was still there I'm so glad that God Is still here A sinner's friend I'm so glad that God I'm still, still here yeah. yeah. A sinner's pray so yeah. mm-hmm. I walked to the church yard Sunday morning, stood outside contemplating whether I should walk through the door. I see a lot of folks know me from way back way in, People holding me to almost passing, but I know all I'm seeing and come short of its glory. Yeah. I'm just glad I'm still here to tell the story. Yeah. I could have been dead. could have been, been dead. In my grave. Oh, yeah. But God blessed me to see another day.